It's such an honor to be standing here today. It is, uh, it is an honor to thank the people that we just uh, mentioned and through the past few weeks. And there are a lot of people who serve in this community of faith called Lakeview, and yet um, uh, I wanted to recognize these people because while I was gone, there was a lot laid on them, and we kind of just threw them in the deep end and said, you know how all of this works, right? Okay, now take care of it. And so there was a few learning weeks, and that was good, and I'm, and I'm happy for that. One of the great things about sabbatical, too, is to see, um, to see an opportunity for me to rest, but also to see a, a church grow and to see what God does through all of that as well, too. And so, um, and so from the very start, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this gift that you gave. Um, Fifteen years ago, um, when we were living in Saskatchewan and I was working part-time at uh, Subway and Starbucks in Karenport, uh, I had questions of where God was leading in our lives. Uh, my wife was nine months pregnant. Oh, sorry, that's not on yours. Everybody look back there for a second. I don't know if you recognize those people, but that was us 15 years ago. Uh, we got here, we, we won't have to do this for the whole time, but we got here and uh, that first month was just an amazing time. Uh, this was uh, an opportunity for us to, to be called into, into this ministry. Uh, I had left a factory job and uh, God was leading us to a new chapter. And uh, step by step, God brought us here and led us here, and he closed doors, and he opened other ones uh, to, to bring us here. Um, uh, we saw healthy leadership in this church, and we saw an opportunity to fulfill the, the calling that God had placed on my life in my teenage years to go into music ministry. Uh, God had gifted me in drama and music, and I had, a, I had a passion for just being with people and leading people um, in, in fellowship and, and growth and discipleship. And so we began our ministry here. We began with a ceremony kind of like that uh, picture up there, and it was a covenant ceremony. And um, that seemed very odd to me because I had never come from that kind of background um, that pastors go, go through this, but we had a covenant ceremony up on this stage, and I was asked a, a series of questions, and I don't remember all of them, but essentially, the question was, Kevin, do you covenant, um, oh, I have to get it right now, uh, the main question roughly was, do you covenant to serve wholeheartedly as a minister of the gospel in this community of faith? And I said, I do. And the congregation was asked, Will you uh, wholeheartedly um, support and sustain Kevin's uh, ministry and support his family uh, as he ministers here? Um, and will you be faithful to me as well? And you said yes. And so Elena joined me on the stage and we were welcomed and we were prayed for. And in January 2008, um, which seems like a whole lifetime ago, um, and seven years later, uh, I was gifted uh, with a sabbatical. Uh, we had young kids, Karis was not yet born, and we were still trying to understand all that God was uh, doing in us and through us through ministry. Alana had some health issues during that time, but it was a wonderful rest and rejuvenation. Uh, we went to a retreat center in Calgary, and we went to Seattle, and I had met with pastors in, in Kelowna and an area in, in Seattle and Calgary and just, just talked through stuff and just kind of picked their brain and, and kind of almost had a bit of a, um, uh, not an internship, but, you know, just um, tried, to, tried to gauge some of those things. And, and um, I also had to wrestle through some things. Uh, being seven years into ministry, uh, this is my first church. And so uh, having to wrestle with some uh, things that had kind of worn on me as far as ministry goes and some of the long-term effects. Uh, but this was good and this was healthy and it brought us to a better understanding of ministry. 
Seven more years later, and I was gifted with a second sabbatical in the summer of 2021. And so when we think about sabbatical, what is it? Sabbatical is uh, rest. It's a release from regular duties so that God becomes more of a focus in our lives. It's kind of like prayer and fasting. It's kind of putting everything aside for a little bit. Yes, we pray throughout our day, but taking that time to kind of go aside, um, it, was, it, it was a holy, holy moment. Uh, God understands our, our limited fashion because in Genesis, God set up this seven-day cycle that includes a rest period. Uh, it does not mean do nothing, though. Um, even in the Old Testament understanding of Sabbath, on that day, um, they didn't sit in the dark corner of their house and not move, but rather they were just released from their daily work. And through that time, they were still human. They ate, they slept, they were with people, they thought about things and they talked about things. They were still uh, human. They were uh, brothers and fathers and sisters and mothers and husbands and wives on that day. Not everything in their life just stopped on that day. Things kept going, but it was uh, a continued living that didn't find definition in what they did, but who they were and whose they were. They were the people of God. Then in the New Testament, um, this takes it one step further in Hebrews, and it says, in fact, we're, we're actually supposed to be in this Sabbath rest mode every moment of every day. This is, this is uh, something brand new that Jesus brought to the forefront when he opened things up, and, um, and that is true Sabbath. It's a continued focus upon God as Lord of my life in all situations and all circumstances while I'm going about what I'm doing. Um, it, it was often said to kind of keep, keep God here or here, and you still do your work and you still do your thing, but you know that God is in the midst of all of those things, and that's, that's true Sabbath, is, is every moment of every day. Um, I can Sabbath while I spend time with my family, while I go to the gym, while I drive, while I work. Um, even in chaotic situations, we can still say, God, you are in this moment, and, and we want to rest in you. And, um, and it's an opportunity to give God glory. And this is what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. Uh, our church also takes it one step further uh, in, in following some of this biblical model in saying every seven years, there's a two-month release from regular duty and so that you can be freed to live in this rest from work so that you can, so you can be with family, you can continue just being human. And, uh, and that's, that's what I did. So going into this summer, um, there was a lot of expectations I found um, in my own mind of, of this sense of accomplishment. I have to do all these things and I have to get this, uh, all these um, passions and dreams. So while you're serving and while you're working and while life is happening and kids and family, sometimes it's hard to get to that bucket list, right? And so uh, this, was, this was my expectation walking into it. And, um, and <laughs> I have to say right away, Honestly, I was just really tired. I had to, I had to uh, take a breath. Um, I had still this expectation of songwriting and learning skills and, and uh, bettering myself. This was a large part of my 2014, was kind of taking in all of this stuff and thinking about it. Uh, at one point in my journal, about two weeks in, uh, I said, two weeks and I feel like I've accomplished nothing. Uh, and I was a little bit frustrated with myself. And in that same journal entry, I actually had to talk to myself a little bit and said, what is most important right now? What is Sabbath? Mark Buchanan talks about this in a book called Spiritual Rhythms, where he explores different seasons of life uh, as min uh, of, of ministry and how there are two thoughts behind this concept of time in a Greek mindset. Uh, the, first, the first type of uh, way of describing time is, is chronos, and that's where we get the word chronology. It's the tick-tock, it's the tick-tock, tick-tock sense of time that just keeps going and never, ever stops, no matter how much you want it to slow down. 
And there, there's that driving force. It's all about schedules, appointments, moving things forward, all the stuff that you have to get done, punch clocks, all of these things that have a tendency to kind of build um, some of those things. That, and, and it a- constantly asks the question, what time is it? However, in opposition to this is a concept of time called kairos, in which the question being asked is, what is this time for? In that simple small change, it just asks the question, what, what's most important right now? That can still be a clear scheduled focus on our work and our play, but it gives purpose. It gives eternal purpose. It kind of takes everything that we're kind of working ourselves up about and says, okay, I'm going to put that aside and allow what's most important to kind of rise to the top. And this is what's most important in this moment. And so that's also where we, where we got the name Keris, Keros. So, um, and it allows those things to rise to the top. Once I recalled this and I was able to kind of talk myself through it, I actually looked back in my journal because I had kind of written at least, at the very least, what I had done kind of every day. And I had done a lot of stuff in two weeks as well. Um, I, I, had, I had focused, I had read, I had done a lot of family stuff, I had done a lot of bike riding already. And, and so I had to... I had to really reorient my expectation of what I was supposed to get accomplished uh, in all of this. Um, I think sometimes we we get into this sense uh, of ourselves in in not being aware of what's what's most important, what should rise to the top. Um, We do this to ourselves. If we're called to Sabbath every moment of every day, do do we ask ourselves that question? What is this time for? And I'm not talking about even these, these moments right now. Um, I'm talking about kind of the mundane moments of life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when we're, when we're kind of just working through life. What's most important? And so even looking backwards in your last two weeks, looking ahead in this coming week, is there ways that you're able to even begin anticipating to say, God, what is most important coming at me this week? What was the most important thing that I need to take away from this last two weeks? Am I running frantically after the clock? Having, uh, having this time for me uh, was an opportunity to kind of ask some of these questions every day, uh, for the most part. Uh, this gave me opportunities to focus on scripture, uh, one that even Titus um, just read for us. It, it follows my favorite passage, which is Philippians 3, 7, and 8, that talks about the fact that when we take, uh, when we take all of our accomplishments, all of the things that we, that we think we're very proud of, um, and actually compare it to Jesus, it actually not only pales in comparison, it looks like rubbish, because Jesus and his resurrection are the most important thing. And so in that sense of kairos, it actually should be the primary thing that rises to the top in all of this. And we come to verse 10, which, which Titus uh, read, and it recognizes that we have a long way to go in all of this. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained to this. So even through this sabbatical, you kind of got to the end and it was like, I feel like I'm supposed to be perfect now. But that's kind of what this speaks to. It's, it's not about coming to the end and saying, now I'm perfect. I haven't attained all of this and I haven't arrived at my goal. I'm not done. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to work toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This was my hope for a sabbatical, to push, to press on, to find Jesus. 
Um, so I took this two months and I kind of tried to structure it into three categories. Uh, the first period was rest. It was getting outside. It was going for kayaks. It was going for a bike ride. It was having coffee with a friend in the middle of the day. It was all of, all of those kind of bucket list things that we, that we seem like we have no time for. But they were Kronos moments. No, they weren't Kronos moments. They were Kairos moments. All those things that Kronos doesn't allow us. Um, they gave wonderful, amazing time and value. Um, it, gave, it gave rest to my soul and to my heart. Being with wonderful people, taking time, being with my wife, spending time with my family, uh, being with some good friends. Um, every now and then I took a little bit of a tumble too, and that's okay. The height of this rest time was about a week and a half into June when Alana and I went to a Christian retreat center in Vernon called Fairhaven, where we became completely detached from, from everything uh, that we consider the outside world. We, uh, we spent um, a couple of days just in this cabin with no TV, no Wi-Fi, no connection, uh, nothing to kind of take us away from that. Just reading and talking and bike riding and cooking and just enjoying each other's presence and talking about big things of life. Uh, there was some very defining moments in, the, in that week too. Some wonderful marriage moments. While we were there, I also had a couple of sessions with a Christian counselor um, just to kind of say, you know what, I, I need some help as well. I just, need to, I just need to talk and I just need to work through some stuff. And I know that so many people here uh, love me dearly and uh, listen and take care of me. It was nice to kind of just get away from all of that and actually just talk to somebody else. Um, he also asked one of the worst questions ever, what would you like to talk about? And I, th I thought I wasn't going to say much of anything, and an hour and a half later. And I had to work through some things, and I had to do a bit of a gut check of, gut check of where things are at in life. It was asking why I was also feeling this way in, in the beginning of this sabbatical, feeling like I, I had this weight, a, a heavy load of working through some of these emotions, not only with us as a, as a couple, but through life and ministry. Um, it was a lot of emotion, and it was a lot of trying to just figure out where, where I'm at. Um, The greatest advice he gave was this, was that during this time, as soon as you kind of step back from ministry, you're going to have a lot of emotion. Um, instead of thinking, okay, this is a good thing, this is a bad thing, and judging and categorizing and even justifying things, he said simply think about what that emotion is and ask more questions of it. Where does it come from? Why am I feeling this way? What's, what's behind um, what's behind all this? What's the root? Where is this emotion coming from? Chances are these uh, emotions or frustrations are an indicator on the dashboard showing that something, uh, something else is going on deeper under the surface. It was important exercise that set me on a good path as I continued exploring uh, more about sabbatical. It was an amazing time at Fairhaven. This led into a second part of sabbatical, which was refocus. This came through more connecting with friends and, and just talking things through, more biking, more alone times with God on the side of a mountain, especially getting into some, some books and some studies. Uh, books by Charles Price, Jeff Vanderstelt, Kyle Strobel, John Coe, Andy Stanley. Um, these were writers who help, helped ask simple questions like, what does it mean to be fully redeemed? How does the power of uh, the Spirit of God uh, work in my life? How, how does that even happen? Um, things that you would assume that a pastor would know and should know, but sometimes I also need to ask it for myself personally. Um, 
Uh, what is my purpose of life aside from ministry? Am I truly submitting to the will of God? What does it mean to love one another? And what does it mean to love one another as Christ loved us? These questions gave me refocus because when you've grown up in the church, it's difficult to kind of separate some of these things out or it's easy to get into a cycle of these are all the things that we need to do. And, and you end up putting a lot of time and energy. And I, and I found after not only seven years but also 14 years, uh, my attention, Lori, you know this especially, my attention is one week and it resets again. So if you want to talk to me about something about three or four or five weeks from now, it's, it's kind of difficult. I can know everything that's going on in the next seven days. And then after Sunday, I hit a big reset button, and then we do it again. And this also has some effects on me as well, too, I think. Um, and these aren't bad. These aren't good. These are just things that we need to kind of keep asking questions of and, and working through. Um, early to mid-June, I also remember sitting uh, up on the side of Boucherie at one point, just uh, reading along in, in a book called Christ for Real, uh, and hearing in this book so many ways that I was loved by God, and the reason it spoke to me was because I know, I know that I was loved, but I didn't feel loved at that point. Not by anybody here or by my family. I did feel loved, but I probably didn't believe it. I didn't feel worthy of God's love. And I will never understand the great weight of sin that Jesus bore for me. But he went to the cross and he made me alive. And so I'm reading this book and then a couple days later I'm, I'm kind of just working on stuff through, through uh, at our house and just doing dishes. And in that moment, there was a moment I was doing dishes, the most mundane thing ever, and I just felt I felt God's arm just just go around me and just say, Kevin, you are loved. And it was a beautiful, gentle whisper that I also didn't believe in. I am loved, and I'm ready to listen. A couple weeks later, I, I, um, I began another book called Irresistible uh, by Andy Stanley, uh, a very wonderful, uh, challenging book. I'd highly recommend it. It will challenge a lot of your assumptions about life and church, and especially the gospel, and that's why I really... Uh, enjoyed it and, and felt changed of, uh, by it. Uh, it. It takes a lot of the assumptions that we have about the gospel um, that are maybe even a little bit too steeped in the Old Testament covenant, which is not the covenant that you or I are a part of. We are part of the new covenant. That covenant was for the people of Israel. We are in this new covenant. Jesus came to make a, way, a new way for all things. In fact, he came to turn what Israel had seen and heard and actually kind of turn it upside down. That we would be redeemed to the point where we would begin to model the righteousness uh, of Christ and that by his suffering and by his wounds and his redeeming within us, that turns into uh, our righteousness being lived out. And, uh, and we were given a command, one command, to love God and to love others. And this is what it all boils down to. In all of this, we will be filling the whole law and the prophets by loving God and loving others. Um, 
This is clearly seen in the way that Jesus would explain this by using things like the Good Samaritan. Jesus uh, says, I, I don't need your sacrifices. I don't need your rituals. I need you to be purposefully loving to the people you not only love and care about, but the people you might even hate. That's how you love God with this one command, by loving others. It was a little deafening for me to hear because growing up in the church, uh, we, we think there's, there's a list of things to do to keep us righteous. And, um, and when Jesus says, okay, we're gonna put that aside for a second and say one command, love God, love others. Um, as I consider even the Good Samaritan, some days I, I feel like the priest, I feel like the Levite, I feel like I've um, passed people on my way here to this place to tell people about the love of God and completely missed uh, those who, who might be in need of, of me or my help. Does God really need us to stand here and to sing another song if we aren't f- willing to fulfill the command he gave to love one another? And not just love one another, but love the way he loved us. We might say that's impossible, and I actually would say, yes, it is. It is impossible if we are not relying on his spirit to do the power with, to work the power within us. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us uh, all about this and tells that if if we don't have that particular kind of love, we are actually nothing. A resounding gong, a clanging cymbal, complete noise to our society, to the world around us when we do not have love. Without a Christ-like love that dies for our enemies and submits to all authority and becomes the least so that we can have on the influence on the people around us. And how do we do that? How do we do that? <laughs> Well, we have the privilege as pastors to kind of uh, sometimes sit in our office and work through these things. Uh, we, have this, we have this opportunity, and, um, and, and I'm sure many of you have thought about these things as well too. How do we how do, we do this? Um, it's something that we're all trying to completely understand, and... Um, and how do we accomplish that? Uh, that came in, in one of the next books that, that uh, spoke to me by Jeff Vanderstelt. Uh, uh, this was near the end, and it was a book that we had began as staff called Saturate. It had uh, a deep impact on how I've come back into ministry as well, too, because the realization at the very core of how we move forward as a church is discipleship. Jesus' final words in Matthew 28 says, Go and make disciples. Matthew 28:18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. We are called to make disciples. Being a disciple is not just coming to church or doing right things, being a good person. Um, We all know that. We all have probably heard these words quite often. Uh, But I would say that even we need to understand that this could mean that um, if you've given your life to Christ and you aren't uh, modeling it after Christ, modeling your life after Christ, you're also not fulfilling true discipleship. This is rooted in in the word self-discipline, discipline, disciple. And it's pursuing Jesus in everything in light of this command, love God and love others. And we go and we change the world through that. Um, In this book, we we were called to, to life change. You're called to live life and have uncomfortable sometimes relationships um, uh, in a worshipful way that actually, um, that actually continues to show his glory in all that you say and do. To see God at work in every area of your life and to follow that leading, even if it's going to take us down a difficult road, maybe even an impossible task, that's discipleship because God is pursuing people. This is how we bring people into the kingdom. It's a countercultural, upside down kind of kingdom based on love. 
In another book, Kyle Eidelman talks about the fact that Jesus might have a lot of fans, but we are called to be followers. Fans easily lose interest in a team. We've already had lots of talk about the BC Lions today. We won't go there too much. But we, but we do know that fans can be swayed really easy. Followers, they follow. They, they walk through thick and thin. They, they pursue uh, life after what their master has modeled for them. And how do we do that here at Lakeview? How do we do that in that little sign out there that says sharing life together? As we've seen over these last two years, uh, people in our congregation who have been connected in, in not only life groups but, but deep relationships with others have seemed to weather the storms of life. In our gatherings here, we see and we find expression that connected life is life-giving relationships. And this is often found in what we call life groups, uh, which Jeff will actually also continue to lead us through this fall as well in these coming weeks. And we endeavor to see life groups that are committed to making disciples who love God and love others, groups that constantly ask, who is not here? Who needs to be here that's not here? Let's get after that. Life groups that know God is the one who changes people's lives and, in, and is inviting us into that work. The third part of this time away uh, was family, recreation, leisure, and, um, and this was an absolutely wonderful way to spend this time away from regular duties. It wasn't just holiday time, but it felt like we were on holidays quite often. Um, even while we were still at home, uh, I continued to coach Karis's soccer team. We were allowed to watch a couple of our boys uh, play soccer once or twice, but from a uh, far distance off. I had a chance to be the fun dad on the playground in the middle of the day. Um, I had a chance to go ride my bike up uh, the side of a mountain for the sheer enjoyment of it. Um, and so uh, this, this time also was not just for me. Uh, it was for my family as well. Uh, they got a chance to come along with me on this journey, and I would love, uh, um, and I love that Alana was able to spend some time with me during this time, and especially at Fairhaven. I'd like to invite her up to share some of her reflections on how sabbatical impacted her, and how she even saw it impact me as well. Well, I got to join him on sabbatical. Now, I still worked, so a lot of you have been asking, what was your two months off like? And I was like, ah, I got two weeks, but I, en I definitely enjoyed it. Um, so highlight for me was leisure. This was my turn. Oh, sorry. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> continuing on with that. Though. My, one of my highlights was just, was just leisure time. Uh, I got to go uh, from day to day and just choose what, what do you want to do today. And so even, even just going and um, playing hockey and just uh, spending family time. Um, uh, the original sabbatical plan was, um, was that uh, I haven't been outside of North America. Um, I've been to Canada, US, a little bit into Mexico, um, and I've never traveled further east than Montreal. And so I thought, oh, this is gonna be great. We're gonna have this wonderful opportunity to travel uh, internationally to bring our kids along. This is a perfect age. We thought uh, going to Disneyland would be, would be wonderful. COVID changed all of that. Uh, but we don't regret it. Uh, we don't lament it. Uh, the question was, what can we do in a safe and enjoyable way? Uh, the first thing was stay in BC and uh, make, sh make it feel like a family vacation, even though kids uh, were in school and Alana was still worked, working through uh, a lot of the summer as well too. <laughs> um, sabbatical for me was watching Kevin finally be able to take a step back and to take a breath. And I don't actually think he allowed himself that opportunity since COVID had happened. Um, so it was able to watch my husband dive deep into some of his passions and what he wanted to work on and to be able to take time away and to be prayerful and to be quiet and to dig a little deeper into places that maybe he hadn't thought of for a while. So it was really exciting for me to be able to watch him on that journey. 
My part of the sabbatical experience was a bit different. Um, but the biggest time for me that was exciting was definitely going to Fairhaven with just Kevin. Um, and we are thankful we had friends who took our kids. Uh, I don't think they realized four kids that they're getting themselves into, but we, we left we far there, away. We were very thankful <laughs> to our life group. Um, but it was a time to be challenged. And sometimes in ministry, um, especially in my personality, I am a scheduler. I know what's going to happen, and I know the processes and all of this. So sometimes just getting away and to sit and not have a schedule or a purpose is a little, um, it makes me want to like, I just don't know what to do. And so it was really healthy for us to be able to talk about some of the things that you know, you're like, okay, yeah, we can deal with that later, and we just keep moving. Um, so to actually be able to sit and have conversations and to dig really deep, um, it's not easy. It's not easy to have conversations that you've been putting off maybe or that conversations you didn't know needed to happen, and so that's kind of what Fairhaven was for us. Um, I actually got a bike to come along because I kind of found out that if I wasn't going to bike ride, I might not see him. So that was important to be able to come alongside of him in that as well. Um, I'm just very thankful that I got to marry this guy. So um, you guys have kind of seen him over the years grow in ministry and stuff, but I actually picked him right away. You guys did say, yes, bring Kevin here, but that's one of the best things I've ever chosen. So, and I still love him. And it was a time to, to just really solidify and know that our marriage is strong and that we're in this together. And so that's pretty exciting. Um, so I'm not actually going on my notes, so there we go. <laughs> the next thing for me was Cape and Ray Bible Camp. Uh, we have been there before, uh, just Kevin and I went, and then we got to bring our kids along, and so we were super stoked to let them see kind of a really fun opportunity. Um, and so we were just super excited. Now, I'll be honest, we got there, and all of our children were miserable. We get off the ferry, and they were just miserable. It was like, oh my goodness, we are so excited to be here and enjoy this time together, and they're just cranky. And I think I might have said, <laughs> like, all of you are just going to swim back to the mainland. I don't care if you make it or not right now, just, you just go. And they all looked at me and laughed, and I was like, I hope I'm kidding, because right now... <laughs> and it was also because we, we had gone there a couple years before, and we said, at like every moment, oh, our kids would love this, they would love that, they would love this. So we brought them, and they didn't love it. At the first. <laughs> For about 10 minutes, and then... Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, but while we were at Cape and Ray, I really enjoyed the, speak, the speaker, and it was literally like we were sitting at Jesus' feet, that he challenged us in ways that, um, you know, sometimes you hear things, but it really touched my heart. I literally just sat there and soaked it in, and that's what really touched me is... Um, that God is not, we look back at scripture and God never does it the way we think he should, right? Like you get to the, how did the, they get across the Red Sea? He parted it. Like that's not in any of our ideas of how God's gonna move. He's gonna like break apart an ocean or a sea. So there was a lot of talking about how God is moving and it's not in the ways that we always see. And even when God took the Israelites out of Egypt and they're in slavery and bondage and life was not good and they are out of Egypt and what do they do? out of Egypt, <laughs> they want to go back. I'm just like, God, I just take me back to what it was. And that's kind of what I learned about in the it's, COVID. It's too difficult, God, take us back, right? Yeah, during COVID, we're all like, you always hear, I want it to just go back to normal. And so God isn't calling us to go back to normal. He doesn't want us to go back to Egypt. He wants us to take the next step. And, and what does that look like? We don't want Egypt. We don't want slavery. We don't want bondage. So what does the next part look like? But, yeah. Um, so, um, uh, June 30th, uh, we packed up everything. It took a long time to pack. It, we filled that van quite to the top, and then we put bikes on it. <laughs> and we put bikes in it, and we put parts of bikes in it, and then we put all of our uh, stuff into it, and uh, everybody was really excited and we were all really excited because this was kind of like our Disneyland and, and so this was a, a wonderful time for us as well too because kids had headphones on, they were watching a movie and we just sat and we talked for three hours straight all the way to the ferry and it was a beautiful time. Uh, we also got some amazing times just spending a lot of times on, on ferries here and there. Uh, this was the day before Canada Day uh, as well and 
Um, we also felt like we were missionaries as well, too. Uh, you can look closely and you can see those are Ignite Youth t-shirts from Lakeview Heights Baptist. So we, we went as a team and uh, uh, we thought that was pretty funny that day. Um, also, uh, we got stuck on a couple playgrounds. Emerson is actually stuck on the roof there and needed help getting down as well, too. Uh, we had the opportunity to see three different islands. Uh, some amazing places to, to go and see. One of those was an amazing cabin on Main Island with this beautiful view that we sat in front of for, for we, we spent three days there just watching ferries go by just a stone's throw from the deck. And, uh, and even one day was, as we were getting ready to go for a bike ride, we saw orcas. And you might not be able to see it there, but there's orcas there just swimming through in, in that area. And that, that was just... Uh, amazing and mind-boggling to us, just uh, for us flatlanders and, and uh, just to be in awe of all that. Uh, and we went to Cape and Ray, which I already kind of alluded to, um, but it was just a fun family camp that our kids really enjoyed. Um, and we were able to make some deep connections and making some friends there that we hadn't really anticipated happening. Um, we've been to some family camps before, and we kind of know the drill, but this kind of took us by surprise, and it was a really good surprise. Uh, we invested in with other families. Um, we spent much of the week talking, kayaking, boating, or sitting on the beach with them, um, and it was a place to be able to have deep rest and to be encouraged and to be served. We were served very well there. Um, Kevin and Titus got to go deep sea fishing. Uh, you'll have to ask them about his fish stories after. Uh, for kids, it was great to watch them grow, to have connections with other kids that they've never met before. Um, and you had your ups and downs, um, but it was, there was a lot to do and a lot to enjoy together. There was my ups and downs, right, Karis? Yeah. Not always We, we weren't excited about lunch that day because we had to come inside and wash our hands, and yeah, it was terrible. Lots of hand washing. Uh, we, we also played uh, outside a lot. As you can see, that's a bath mat that <laughs> we stepped on. Yeah. <laughs> they had to shower every night. They had played gaga balls, and it was, it was messy. Um, it was just wonderful to be with people that uh, they had leaders who connected with our kids in the mornings and in the evenings um, and times in the afternoon on the ocean front and it was just really, really fun. Um, it's not something that you normally think is the highlight but really the food was amazing. It was, it was, uh, it was uh, phenomenal. Um, uh, if you know my wife's love language, uh, she loves acts of service, and so to have all meals done, dishes taken care of, it was perfect for her and for us, and, um, uh, and to have professional chefs uh, there with an amazing staff. Uh, we were served so much, and not just with food. Uh, there was an attitude of servanthood in every experience, in every moment, in every meal, uh, we were we were given a beautiful gift. Uh, it was an abu it, it was a beautiful example of serving others for us as well. Uh, as you've probably noticed, there seems to be a theme of what Kevin uh, a lot of what Kevin did, and it was biking. Um, it is definitely one of Kevin's passions, but we also wanted to get on board and to be able to spend that time with him. So all six of us. Um, we're like, we're gonna go biking on the island. Let's make this really fun. However, getting six people all excited all at the same time when you need helmets and biking gloves and snacks and tires and whose bike pumps, whose tires are blown up and who's and it's just, there's a lot. Um, and we also had a tandem bike that we added the bike buddy for Karis. So there's the three of them who go down the road. So it's really fun to watch as people are driving and they're just, looking at this crazy family of six as we go down intersections. And uh, it was just a lot of fun to watch. And uh, highlight was when Titus and Kevin were on the main tandem part and Karis was on the back. And just they were just singing, just singing songs. Karis was getting a little tired. And so Titus was just being a good big brother and keeping it exciting for her. So that was pretty cool. Um, Kevin did all of the mapping it out. Um, and making sure that there was always a plan in place. And with the amount of bike chains that fall off or things that happen, it's really unpredictable. So we definitely had to be uh, ready to kind of do whatever it takes. And let's be honest, Kevin loves biking up mountains. He just thinks it's so fun. His wife, on the other hand, is 
maybe not as excited about all the climbs that are like this. So he was very gracious um, and made sure that we were all having fun, even when it was really hard. Um, he did, there was one bike ride, he knocked off 20 clicks. We were like, we're only going 40, I can't do 60. So he's very gracious when those days happened. Um, but we got to know the area of Victoria and we saw some cool things and we really pushed ourselves physically and emotionally. Uh, but the kids did amazing um, and we enjoyed the time together. But we were always rewarded with ice cream. And ice cream. Then ice cream. Yeah, lots of ice cream. And then ice cream for by grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Um, we, had, we, we had been to the island before but never done uh, a lot of exploring and so it was wonderful for us just to, just to be outside in nature. It's COVID, so go outside, go do, go do stuff uh, and explore the island uh, while we were there. And, um, and we didn't get to do as many um, beach days even when we came back, but it was wonderful to be there uh, even just in downtown Victoria just to... Uh, try different things and um, when we left um, Kelowna and got to the island only a couple hours later it dropped 20 degrees for us because it was 40s here and we got there and it was like high 20s and uh, that that kind of um, <laughs> we had to put sweaters on at the at the beach and uh, um, but we got to swim uh, we got to swim in lakes we got to jump into rivers uh, we got to swim in oceans. Uh, Karis will also tell you, careful dad, it's salt water. We don't like salt water. Um, uh, we got to see rivers and lakes and oceans. We, we got to jump off of cliffs and we got to go deep into these pools. Carter is actually standing up right there and the water is right here, just in the middle of that little uh, rock area. We got to swim under waterfalls. Uh, even a few times, Alana and I got to go on a date and go to downtown Victoria or different parts of, of, of um, uh, the island. Uh, we spent family time. Does everybody know what that thing is that she's holding? Um, we got to spend family time together. We got to build forts on the beach. Uh, when the tide was out, we collected seashells and we were just in awe of, of God's creation around us. And uh, we got to see just amazing sea creatures. We slowed down and we enjoyed one another. We loved each other. We spent lots of times on, uh, uh, on the beach or went to tourist shops. Uh, we went um, with Alana's family who lives uh, in Victoria now. Uh, this also included our new baby niece. Um, uh, through all of this, we just loved so many of the experiences and days that we had together. Um, and being tourists in our own province, what, what better place can you go than British Columbia? We enjoyed reflection times. We loved deep talks as a couple. We, um, we spent time together as a family. Um, we had a th three good things and not one not so good thing that we do every single day uh, as well. Um, we are so thankful to Alana's parents who took us in for, uh, for a month minus a week or a few days uh, here or there. Um, and they uh, took just amazing care of us and loved on us. We hadn't seen them in two years in, in person. We hadn't been with them yet. And they fed us so much, and they did so much laundry. <laughs> and uh, it was just an amazing time because two years had been quite a while from um, the time that we just got to spend uh, just amazing time with them. Um, just being together, uh, join, joining with them, going see, seeing things with Alana's sister was uh, beautiful. Um, we, we got to see different parts of the island uh, and different parts of, of Kelowna that we didn't, and Vernon that we didn't uh, see before. We went to uh, a couple of churches on the, on the island and in Abbotsford. There were things that God spoke to both Alana and I even individually uh, on our own and through this whole process uh, of sabbatical, uh, we were listening. We were listening to what God was saying to the best of our ability. Sometimes a ride or a walk on the side of a mountain opens your ears so very well. 
And so we want to say thank you to you for giving us this time, for giving us this opportunity, for allowing me to step away uh, and allowing my family to join me uh, on this journey uh, that God has taken us on. Um, That's kind of why I went back to the beginning to say this has been a wonderful journey and growing together with you and loving you and being changed by you and with you has been a joy. And, um, and God is speaking. Sometimes we just need to stop and listen. And so again, we read, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of everything in this gospel-filled life. But one thing I do, I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What's the most important thing that's going to happen to you this week? Have ears to hear it. And don't just ask what time is it, but what is this time for? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for all that you are. We thank you for not just your blessing that we have, but Lord Jesus, your love and your care. Jesus, we thank you for the times that we are able to spend together the things that we are able to work through, how sometimes even difficult things lead us closer to your throne. Difficult seasons of ministry actually grow us even a little bit more. We thank you, God, for your amazing love and care. God, we thank you for our families. God, we thank you for the way that you are touching each one of us, that you are reaching our world through the way that we love one another. God, I pray that we would continue this, that we would not stay here, we would not look backward, but we would be anticipating the new ways that you are going to be changing the world, God. The way that you're going to move uh, in our lives, in our society, in a post-COVID world to bring people back to your heart and to show them that you love them so deeply and so dearly that you died for them. And so, God, we thank you for this. We thank you for our gathering here this morning. Be praised and glorified in all these things. In your name.